I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20 for 20% off your first order. This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Damore, author of two New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen, a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. Episode 108, How Do I Help My Disorganized High School Kid? You know, we now have these videos, our episodes up on YouTube, and um, I'm really grateful that on the YouTube show, you don't see my desk. Because if we were to <laughs> go down to, you know, pan the camera down to your desk versus my desk, it is a hot <laughs> Mess. I did not learn executive functioning skills, Lisa. Is it too late for an adult? Um, it's not too late. And Rena, you do have executive functioning <laughs> skills, but people have a lot of confusion about what those mean because you get stuff done, Rena. Like you are on top of things. You yeah. are. And so, but I think that, you know, what executive functioning skills look like are different person to person. Mm. Mm. Well, I feel like my my closet and my desk is a constant hot mess. Who, who's the kid from <laughs> Peanuts who's like the little trail of smoke that always follows it? It was a Linus? Was it or Schroeder? I, I can't remember which one, but that's how I feel. <laughs> oh, Pigpen. You're thinking about Pigpen. Pen. <laughs> that's who I'm thinking exactly right. That's me. That's how I feel sometimes. But, you know, uh, we've been hearing a lot from parents about how do you kind of get your high schooler to be ready for college. And um, this was something that showed up in our inbox. It says, dear dear Dr. Lisa and Rena, my son, a high school junior, is a terrific guy. He's kind, funny, and smart. He's also totally disorganized. I can tell from looking online that he often misses homework assignments, and he can't seem to get serious about studying for tests until the very last minute. So he often ends up staying up late into the night cramming. His grades aren't awful, but 
they could be much better if he'd stayed on top of his work and not leave everything until the last minute. Outside of school, I feel like I'm always having to remind him about things like getting his hair cut or going to his orthodontic appointments. I cannot imagine what the fall is going to look like when the craziness of the college process is added to his plate. And honestly, if he's still so bad at managing his responsibilities next year, is he really ready for college? Please help. I'm at a total loss. Thank you. Oh my gosh. First off, is this a lack of executive functioning skills? Yeah, probably. I mean, there's some other things we might want to rule out, but in all likelihood, this is just a kid whose like, executive functioning skills have room to grow, as we would say. So first off, can you just sort of define what is executive functioning skills and why is it so important that we help kids kind of get on board about this? You know, executive functioning skills are the various sort of mental properties we use to keep our lives organized, to stay on top of things, to know where we're supposed to be, when we're supposed to be there, and to have all the right stuff with us at the time. I mean, that's really, um, you know, it's kind of the governing body of our mind. It's our it's our CEO <laughs> of running the company that is us, right? I mean, in some ways, like that idea of executive works pretty well. It's the mm-hmm. executive ability to make things happen and make things happen in a timely fashion. Mm-hmm. So um, this mom here in the letter says, you know, He's got basic, just missing homework assignments. So that's like basic sort of number one. How do you help a parent whose kid is struggling with just turning in homework assignments and you're in high school, you should sort of be able to do this at this point? You should, right? I mean, and I think that that's, um, you know, a question that comes up is like, okay, this kid is late in the game. I mean, thank goodness he's not a senior. There's still time to work. But one of the key principles that we want to work with here is this idea of first you diagnose the problem before you try to fix the problem. Mm. So if the problem is the kid is not turning in homework, right? She can see from the online portal that he's got zeros where homework should homework scores should be. What we want to think through is like the chain of events that happen between a kid getting a homework assignment and a kid turning in the homework. And there's a lot of steps in that chain. And what we want to first figure out is, Where's the hiccup, right? Where's the hiccup? Mm. So, Rena, okay, so think about it. Like, so you and I are students in class. Like, so we're, you know, we're junior girls together and we're sitting in class. So, the first chain of the events is that the teacher tells us what the homework is and we somehow record that information somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. We write it down. We have some clue about what's due and Mm -hmm. what. Okay, so there are kids who are falling apart at that point. Like, the teacher says it and the kid's like, thinking about something else or like, I'll remember, which they won't. And so that may be where things are falling apart. Mm. Maybe he's getting as far as writing it down, Yeah. but then comes home and doesn't actually have the stuff he needs to do the work, right? That's the other thing. Like, Because part of what has to happen is you have to put in your bag all of the stuff that you are requiring to get the work done in order to, you know, when you get home. Okay. So say that the kid or you or I, right, these junior girls, we're like, okay, we're putting our stuff in our bag. We can come home and do the homework. The next chain in the event is we have to be able to do the work. Either we we have to not have a learning disability that gets in the way or learning disorder that gets in the way. We have to have had enough like awareness or mastery of the content leading up to this work to be able to do it um, so that when we're sitting down to the homework, we can actually do the homework. So things can fall apart at that point. Okay. Say that we can do the work. Now we have to get the work back to school. Mm-hmm, <laughs> right? mm-hmm. There's a lot of kids who do the work and then don't get it in. Really? I'm yeah, so excited to get that in. I know. You're like, get it off my plate. Cross yeah. it off the list. 
sometimes, you, usually if a kid gets to school with the work, gets the work back in their backpack and their backpack with them to school, usually if the kid gets there and the teacher, and is in class when the teacher says, turn in your work, the kid will turn in their work. Where it can fall apart is the kid misses the class or the kid shows up after, like late to class and the teacher's already collected the work. So it's sitting in their backpack and they're getting a big fat zero in their grading book for work they've actually done. So the first question I would have this mom or this parent, I don't know if it's a mom or a dad or parent of any gender, um, interrogate is where in this chain of events are things going off the rails? Ah, Because the interventions are going to be different Mm. depending on where it's falling apart. That's interesting. So there are a lot of little blockages along the way and you need to figure out where it is that it's tripping them up. What about the follow through rate? Like, I guess you get the assignment. They're just not following. I, I know you've walked us through some of the steps, but if you have a kid who just won't follow through on assignments, whether it's getting the stuff together, whether it's just doing it, how do you help them? Okay. So something's getting in the way, right? Something's getting in the way. And for kids where things are not getting in the way, for kids who are actually getting it done, the magic, magic word is routines. They Mm. have routines that Mm. work. And Mm -hmm. so whether the routine is every time the teacher says this is due, they pull out their book, they write it down, they know to come in the house and look in their book, right? They, you know, they have a checklist of the things they know they need to bring home. The kids for who look like they've got great executive functioning skills actually have good routines for making sure they do the things they mean to do. It's not like you wake up one day and you're like, magically, I can remember all of this in my head, right? Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. not executive functioning. Executive functioning is I always do things in this way every day in this order. These are my systems so I don't drop balls. These are my systems so I don't lose things. So if you want follow through, figure out where the kid's going off the rails. And so he may be like, no, I wrote it down, but I didn't bring home the stuff I need to do the work. Mm -hmm, Okay. mm -hmm. So then he needs to create as part of his routine that he's got maybe a checklist in his locker. And the checklist is, do you have what you need for this class, this class, this class? And it becomes routine for him. And we'll talk about how to help make routines happen when there are no routines. For him to check that checklist before he comes home, that's going to make follow through possible. I want to ask you a little bit more about those routines. We're going to pause, take a quick break. But on the other side of this break, I want to ask about the procrastination on tests uh, and also what you just brought up, which is such a great point. How do you help create these routines? We'll be right back. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using EarthBreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. 
This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Do you know how much cash back you're leaving on the table for settling for the wrong credit card? Imagine earning up to 5% cash back on your groceries for the next 30 years. Just think of all that cash back you can get on those groceries. NerdWallet helps everyone make smarter financial decisions today. So the future you will thank you for it. With NerdWallet, you won't regret missing out on rewards. NerdWallet lets you compare smart cash back credit cards side by side to make the most of your everyday spending. So what could future you do with more cash back? A getaway with the kids? A spa day for yourself? Whatever it is, make it happen with a smarter cash back credit card. And don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and term supply. Welcome back to Ask Lisa, the psychology of parenting. We're talking about helping kids with executive functioning. Uh, and in this particular letter, we got uh, a teen who's in their junior year. How do you get them ready before they head off to college? So Lisa, um, we were talking a little bit about routines. You said you would help us create routines for kids. How do we do that? Okay. And this is interesting because this kid's a junior. I mean, like we're talking about a 17-year-old. Like this kid shaves, right? And so like how do you how do you be like, buddy, you gotta get some routines? So I think, you know, the first thing we say to them, my favorite line of all lines, what you're doing isn't working. You need to come up with something that does work. What's going to help you is a routine and make the kid write it out. Mm-hmm. Be like, how? Well, show me the routine that is going to keep this from continuing to happen. Have him make the first draft. Then say, bring it to me. And then be like, all right, this is a really good start. I'm, you know, it's like maybe a B minus effort. We're going to get this to an A plus. I know you and I love you and I can tell you where it's falling apart. Here's other things I would have you put in your routine. Okay, so the first thing is I think sketching out like what's the pattern, what's the system that should keep this kid on track. Then the second part is how do we know he's going to do the routine? Like you can create the greatest routine in the world. So true, so true. So then, you know, the the way we think about this when we're trying to help kids develop executive functioning skills is you do as little as possible, but you, you do help them. Mm. So you may say to this kid, all right, so here's the great routine. How Do you want me to prompt you in the mornings when you're home for the part I can see? When you're at school, what are the things you can do to prompt yourself so mm-hmm. you stay on routine? Um, when you get back home, you know, I can prompt you. And hopefully what we do see is when people start to fall into a routine, when they establish a pattern, it becomes more habitual. They need less prompting. Ah. But the kinds of prompting that – 
we might consider. Kids send themselves texts. Kids set reminders on their phone. Lots of kids with executive functioning challenges or kids who have fantastic executive functioning are using timed reminders to prompt them to do the things they mean to do. So I want to touch on that. The kids that you see at this age that are really incredibly good executive functioners, if that's a word, um, (laughs) what are they doing right? It's a great question. Okay, so let me just say there's no one version of this story. What they're doing right is they've figured out the systems that work well for them. Okay, so it may be that you have a student who is very, very aware that um, every afternoon, the first thing he does when he walks in the door is he sits down and he actually checks all the online portals because also a lot of teachers post homework there. That's right. Um, So they may have said something in class that went completely over the kid's head, didn't get written down. So it's a kid who may, you know, check the online portal the second they walk in the door, double check everything they've got. They may use a combined version of like they have a digital planner they use. And then at the start of every day, they write down everything, the digital planner on paper and they cross it off. It's really um, very, very individual. And I will say that's part of what's so frustrating as a parent because you may be a super organized parent and you've got fantastic systems and you're like, let me show you how to use a planner. There are kids who are like, I'm never going to use a planner. Like it's never going to happen. That's okay, but they have to have something that really works for them. I mean, you've got to be able to write it down, right? So if not a planner, then what, right? So kids will put it in their phones. Kids will send themselves timed texts. Mm -hmm. Um, Kids will use an entirely digital environment like the i mean that a lot of these online learning spaces actually have an option where kids can create their own to-do lists in those online learning spaces mm. some kids love that i mean there are kids who don't touch paper i mean they just don't wow. touch paper but they're on top of it i also am a big believer in paper right and so if your kid is like no 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 i hate paper but they're not turning in their work then I think you might have to say, that's great, you hate paper, but what you're doing isn't working. You've got to keep trying until you figure something else out, and it may involve paper. (laughs) So that might have to be an option. Um, I want to ask you about this procrastination for studying for tests, something that I identify with greatly personally, um, but not with my kid, meaning myself in college and high school. But what do you do when you have a kid who is not taking the time to like map out days to study for a test. How do you fix that? Okay. So you've said the magic words, like you have to map this out, right? And again, like, see, do you hear the kind of inherent executive functioning in that? Like you understand it has to be mapped out. And a lot of kids, like they just haven't made that leap yet. Yeah, You know, that they're like, the test is coming, the test is coming. I'll think about when I think about it. Also, they may feel very intimidated by the test. They may feel anxious. That procrastination is often driven by discomfort. Like, I'm scared of that test, so I'll just do this other thing over here in the meantime because yeah. I feel better when I'm focusing on it. I'll tell you, Rena, I, um, when I was in graduate school especially and I had like some beastly project I didn't want to do, mm-hmm. I would clean my apartment within an inch of its life. Right. I mean, I would just clean and clean. Really? So I was busy. Yeah. Busy, but not doing what I was supposed to be doing. Right? But at least you had a clean apartment. Well, that's you know, how I figured. I would be on the couch eating potato chips and watching latest 90210 episode. <laughs> you know what? We were both feeling better. Right. We were both right. feeling right. better than doing yeah. the thing we, we were supposed to be doing. So part of what needs to happen is to say to this kid, look, 
when's your next big test? Show me how you're going to map this out, right? Mm. Show me if the test is on the 19th, show me what your game plan is for how you're going to be studying from the 5th forward. Mm. Tell me what days, what look, you know, how much, how long, how you're going to break this down. He may not have really thought about it in that way. So again, though, it gets back to that theme of like, he can map it out now is, is he going to do it, right? right? Having articulated what happens on which day. So then there may be that, again, that kind of structural piece where the parent says, great, now show me how you're going to make sure this happens. Okay, let me say something. Any teenager worth their salt is going to be annoyed by this level of intervention, right? They're going to be like, get off my back. Like, you're yeah. like, I am 17 years old and you are standing over me, having me show you when I'm going to study for this, that, and the other. If they are annoyed, it's and they will almost certainly be annoyed, it's really important for parents to be able to say, I don't want to do this. Mm. I don't like being in your business at this level. Here's the way we get out of this. You take responsibility for this. The minute you show me that you are on top of this and can manage it and can give yourself enough digital reminders or visual reminders or however you want to do it, I am out. I can't wait to be out. You don't want me here. I don't want to be here. But I'm not going to let you shoot yourself in the foot in high school. Mm -hmm. You know, it, this is the thing, though. We come off as the nag, and we don't want to have to keep reminding them. So how do we get the training wheels off so we don't have to keep nagging and reminding them so they're doing it? I think that's the hard part is getting them to, like, be able to coast and do this on their own without us obviously hovering. I hate hovering. It's it's miserable for everybody. And, and Rena, that analogy you just used of training wheels, like, that is how we think about this. Mm. On the clinical side, which is like, okay, so fantastic executive functioning is the kid who's great at riding a bike. We put kids on training wheels first, right? We put in additional supports while they are still figuring it out, right? Then we take the training wheels off and we hold the back of the bike, right? I mean, like there's, I just, I really want people to be okay with the idea that like, you're allowed to help, right? You you don't get on the bike with them, you know, and, and ride it for them when they could really be riding it. But you do try to put in structural supports until the kid is ready, all the way, all the while sort of encouraging and pushing. Okay. Nagging and it's annoying. And I'm interested in this thing about his haircuts and his orthodontic appointments, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. now there's other people involved. Um, what's your take on that in terms of how much you would nag? Well, um, you know, haircuts and appointments, I still feel is under my mom book. Like I just, I don't, but I get it. He's going to be in college in a year, right? So you want them to be able to do this. But um, I, yeah, I, I just, at what point do you do you say, okay, these are yours. You need to set them up and, and do them on your own and then see how that goes. I mean, do you give them like a trial period? Like this needs to be set up in two weeks or how do you approach that? I think what you're suggesting makes a ton of sense. Right. Because there is like there is this giant college question looming in the distance. Mm -hmm. And you're like, if this kid can't even get it together to make a haircut appointment and show up for it, <laughs> like what business yeah. does he have going yeah. off to college? Um what I like about I'm gonna put haircut and orthodontic appointment on two different levels. Okay. Because I think part of what we're also looking for in scenarios like this where a kid's executive functioning has a lot of room to grow is places where a total failure is not a crisis. Mm. 
And so one thing I would say, and, and this is a phrase that comes from one of my favorite colleagues, like sometimes kids need to feel the floor. Like sometimes they need to feel the consequences of their actions. Wow. So he, what do you think about this right now? I'm making this up, but what do you think? What if the parents said to him, all right, you need a haircut um, and why don't we together make the appointment? Maybe you sort of get that far. And then say, here's the deal. If you don't show up for this appointment, you are paying for the appointment you didn't show up for and you are paying for the appointment when you do go, right? Like, Wow. But if you go when you're supposed to go, I will pay for it. Wow. And that I works. Will pay for it. Well, it's worth trying because if he blows it, then you're not putting the person out who's, you know, you're paying the person who he didn't show up for. Mm. And you're also, you know, making sure that person gets paid. And then you're also following through and saying, and you're going to have another appointment. So it's going to cost you twice as much as a regular haircut for you to blow this. It's going to cost wow. you nothing for you to get it right. Something like that where if he messes it up, he will feel it. It will be, there will be a meaningful consequence. I think that's one way to consider. On the orthodontia appointments, I don't know that I would do that, right? I mean, yeah. trying to reschedule those is really hard. Yes. Um, that can be extraordinarily expensive. You're not going to, I don't think, try to make a kid pay for that, right? right. So I think what we also want to do as parents of kids who are struggling with executive functioning is look for places where we're like, okay, if this goes totally sideways, is it bearable as an object lesson versus I'm not going to let this thing go sideways? Yeah. On the point of it really caught my attention where you said sometimes we want to just let kids hit the floor. What are those moments? Like when are, when is it like actually maybe beneficial that they hit the floor and you don't swoop up and yell at them and get them to do it and let them feel the consequences? I I think it's one of the best ways for kids to learn. Huh. And and I remember when I was um, on the faculty, I used to teach for the University of Michigan, and, and we would occasionally get into these like very long debates about student undergraduate student behavior, you know, mm -hmm. kids who mm -hmm. hadn't turned stuff in or kids mm -hmm. who were, you know, not showing up for class. And we would like really try to be empathic and understand like how to – you know, make it work for them. And and one of our really wise colleagues would always be like, uh, people make choices, choices have consequences. Mm. And it was a very helpful, because in many ways, like college students are still, you know, they're late adolescents, young adults. A lot of times faculty are taking the role of helping them understand how the wor world really works. So I think that as early and often in parenting as you can be like, dude, people make choices, choices have consequences. Yes. You should. It's way easier in middle school to let your kid feel the floor, right? Mm. It is way easier. So again, if your middle school kid is struggling, there's a lot of room for them to get lousy grades and figure it out and have to talk to teachers. It's so much harder in high school yeah, when their grades are going to follow them. So early and often, I would say, let kids feel the floor. And it doesn't have to be mean. It yeah. can just be reality-based. Um, it's also interesting because I think, um, you know, having these conversations, much like on Valentine's Day, we talk about the sex talk, that it's not just one talk, that you kind of need to keep planting those seeds, that maybe when they start middle school and it's a major transition from elementary and way more work, explaining to them, here are some things that have helped people in the past, but you're going to, and, and I don't think I had that conversation with my son, you know, when he started middle school, like these things help. And, and we just expect kids to sort of know that this will naturally come to them and it doesn't. Not for all kids. I mean, some kids really intuit their way there. But, Rena, like, do not um, underestimate kids' creativity in solving these problems. Like, I know kids who pack their lunch the night before, right? Mm -hmm. That's part of their routine. 
And then they put their checklist on their lunch. So when they go to get the lunch out of the refrigerator, the checklist of all of the things they need to make sure are in their bag is on the lunch. And they can't really get the lunch out of the fridge without coming across that checklist. Right? Those kinds of things. I don't care if the kid's 25 doing that. Those are great systems. Those are great systems. And that's what we're trying to put in place. And I I just, I I think sometimes kids and parents can feel like one day my kid's executive functioning is going to magically snap on. Yes, exactly. That's (laughs) a great point. Systems and strategies, systems and strategies. That's a great point. So do you worry, like, do you think this kid will be ready for college? And what do you think the mom can do to prepare this, this teen for college? There's not a lot of time left, right? No, he's running out of runway. Um, I don't really know. I will tell you though, Rena, I don't think I've ever had more motivating conversations with high schoolers than when we or the, I or their parents say to them, you know what, if you're still doing this in spring of your senior year, we're going to have to really consider whether or not you're college ready. Wow. Kids hate hearing that because really? like, they want to go to college. They want to yeah. go to college with their cohort. And so there have been a few different scenarios around safety behavior, around self-management behavior, where I've said to the parent, no, 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 have them apply with their cohort, have them you know, get in to wherever they get in with the help of the high school counselor. You can reserve the question of whether or not they are going with their cohort or whether they are taking a gap year. Mm. And I will tell you, it is very powerful motivator. If parents says, if I see another zero in your homework thing that is a legit zero, we're going to really have to have a hard conversation about whether or not you're going with your cohort. It is amazing how much kids will be like, you know what? I will figure out systems to keep zeros from showing up. That can happen. I think, though, there's something else in this letter. I just, it's, it's a big one, which is this kid can't stay on top of School, how's he going to do school plus college in the fall? Exactly. Right? It's yeah. so much to juggle. And so I, I think that that's where some pretty intense conversations need to happen. And there are families, and I think this is great, who create a giant chart on the kitchen wall of mm. all the stuff that needs to be happening. Because all the wow. applications right now, they have like all these different elements, and there's so many things that need to be tracked. So they make it very visual. They put it right in the middle of the house. And I would say that's something this family needs to seriously consider and like have color coded like parents job, kids job, you know, and dates by which it needs to be done. And like you can look at it every night at dinner and it's going to be miserable and it may be very helpful. Yeah. Wow. This is terrific. There's so much. um, And you know what? It's never too late. Right, Lisa? I just feel that way. It is never too late, right? These this family wants this kid to go to college. This boy wants to go to college, I presume. And so I think they are well within their rights to say, we are so excited for what's next for you, but we're not doing our job as parents. If we send you when you are skywriting that you cannot manage yourself, we're here to help you manage yourself for as long as you are under our roof. And um, you show us you can do it. And college makes a ton of sense, right? Mm -hmm. And be very forward-looking and excited about it. But the parents can be just kind and supportive and also very realistic about his need to learn systems and strategies that work and then stick with them. That's great. Um, A lot to chew on, but what do you have for us for parenting to go? So we were thinking about letting kids feel the floor. I also think, and that can be valuable, but I also think we really want to notice when kids are getting it right. Okay, so this is a great kid. He is getting it right. He is making it to haircuts sometimes. He is making it to his orthodontist appointments sometimes. When kids get it right, there's real value in praising them and saying, I, I saw that you did what I asked you to do. 
great work. And I would say for a kid like this, but actually for all kids, but maybe for this kid especially, be highly specific in the praise. So say, look, you know what? I just got to like give you, you know, kudos. You called, you made the appointment. I saw you put a reminder in your phone. I saw you put three reminders in your phone. I saw you organize yourself to get there. Whatever the kid did that made it happen, name those in detail and be like, we're really proud of you. We can see how much you're growing. Don't just say good job. You're losing an opportunity to really detail what it is we want to see more of. That's great. I you always, you know, for so long you focus on all the negative because you want to get that right. And to hear you say that emphasizing the positive and giving them that positive praise can also be a motivator. Absolutely. And the more specific, like what did they do exactly that made things work well? Kids need to hear us name that and that reinforces the likelihood they'll do that again. I forget how important that is. Thank you for that reminder. It's really great. And Lisa, next week, we're going to talk about kids who are so mean to their parents. We've got an encore presentation next week. Why is my kid so mean to me? We'll have more about that next week. I'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.